Welcome back to the Wrestling Rodeo Podcast. As always, I'm Paul, your host, and with me, my loyal co-host, Mitch. Hi, everybody. Mitch, how has quarantine been treating you? Oh, you know, it's, it's been going pretty good. I've stocked right up on cheese, so I no longer have the need for toilet paper. <laughs> I started making beer, started doing home brewing. And I've tried my first beer. It was a wheat ale. I've called it Mr. Wito after Mr. Hito. Oh, nice. The, the next one is a grapefruit honey ale. I'm not quite sure what I'm going to call it. Hmm, grapefruit honey. For any listener that's not familiar with what we're doing right now, we are going back to the 1980s and talking about some classic stampede wrestling from Calgary, Alberta, Canada. We've gone through the rest of 1987 and we're on the final month now of December. These shows were fantastic. It, probably the strongest overall month of stampede wrestling I've seen thus far. Yeah, I was very happy with these episodes. They were real gems. What do you say we dive right into these shows? Yeah, let's get going. First up, December 4th, 1987. This one starts off with a really good match between Garfield Ports and Mr. Hito. In this one, it starts off where Mr. Hito breaks up Ports' control of the match with a headbutt. And if anyone's seen Mr. Hito wrestle, they know the headbutt's lethal. Yeah, it's, it's devastating. It's kind of like running into a metal post. And that gives Mr. Hito a little bit of an opening for him to try to body slam Garfield Ports. But as soon as he gets him up, Mr. Hito looks like he trips and Garfield Ports lands right on top of him into a pin. And luckily, they kick out. But Ports takes it to Hito a little bit. And at this point, this made me really sad to hear. Jim Davies and Ed Whalen started talking about retirement for Hito. Yeah, that was, you know, I'd like to see him go on a little bit of a winning streak. You know, the guy has fought as hard as anyone and said, you know, just no success while we've been watching. But, you know, you got to remember the episodes before. He, he was a legitimate wrestler who took on everyone yeah he was a heavyweight champion you know so it's kind of sad to hear but i i don't want to see it before i see him win you know at least one good match or like i say, i'd love to see him go on a little winning streak coming up yeah go out on top but that talk he must have heard him because they're not that far away from the in-ring action they're right at ringside he must have heard those two talking about retirement because he fires up and he's lighting up Garfield Ports with headbutts and chops and Ports eventually stops to take a break to try to beg him off, beg for mercy. But Mr. Hito picks him up for, for an airplane spin and then he goes up to the top rope for a splash and as he's flying through the air, looking like Mr. Hito of old, Garfield Ports gets his knees up into the midsection and then picks Hito up onto one of the turnbuckles and delivers a second rope superplex. And unfortunately, referee Wayne Hart has no choice but to count to three. Yeah, it was, and I thought he had it in this match. 
I, I really felt the momentum was going his way. It it just looked like a match he was going to win. So, yeah, that ending kind of crushed me a little. It was a letdown because I thought Hito was going to soar through the air, land that splash, and get that three count. But not today, not on that day. Uh, hopefully we get to see it again because I don't want to see him go out losing. Yeah. And it does speak to how good Garfield is. He's really good. And quite honestly, he's a good promo. He's in the ring with Jim Davies after the match. And he's saying that while he's rated number three in the rankings, I don't know if that's for the mid-heavyweight championship or the heavyweight championship, but he's ranked number three in the ratings at this point. And Jim Davies says, you must be humbled because you're in the opening match. To which Ports responds, I'm only in the opening match because the Canadian audience is stupid and the Karachi Vice are going to rule. He does a good job of angering the fans, which, you know, you got to respect in anyone that has the ability to, to really get under your skin. And what I really like about his promos as opposed to Steve DeSalvo's promos or Mockin Singh's promos even to that extent is he's not yelling. He's not doing a 1980s wrestling promo where he's yelling at the announcer. He's yelling at the audience. He's very collected in how he's speaking. It's almost reminiscent of Bad News Allen in a way. Yeah, in a way, almost a hint of uh, Hunter Hearst Helmsley. Yeah, like a later Triple H, a Triple H in the late 90s, early 2000s, where he's a little bit quieter and everyone kind of hangs on every word. Um, but I mentioned him in the last, last sentence I said, bad news, Alan is then in the ring with Ed Whalen, his main man. And Ed Whalen informs bad news, Alan, that he's the underdog against Jason the Terrible, which if anyone's seen Bad News Allen wrestle, you know that's absolutely insane because Bad News Allen is a legitimate ass kicker. Yeah, he's at that level where you just don't ever think you're the underdog with anyone. And I think Bad News puts it best when he says Jason's brain is the size of a pea, but when he gets in the ring with Bad News, even he'll learn that it was a mistake to cross him. Yeah, and he's he's the baddest man in the promotion, I think. You know, when it comes right down to it, out of all the guys there, he's the one that's going to beat on you and beat on you and keep beating on you from every angle. You know, he'll, he'll lose a match if he thinks he can beat you down a bit have a better chance the next time he just is the ultimate warrior he is the ultimate warrior and it, it still kind of trips me out when he calls himself the ultimate warrior because i associate that so much with the ultimate warrior in wwf i i did remember that from back then and i can't remember i think he had it before the ultimate warrior but didn't have it when he transitioned to WWE. I didn't get that trademark. You always got to trademark your stuff. 
That you do. We go from him to another strong man, another badass. And we get to the second match of the card with Black Sabbath, the walking lawsuit, defeating Steve DeSalvo by countout. And previously in November, we saw Phil LaFleur quickly defeat Black Sabbath in 51 seconds. And DeSalvo goes, I can beat him faster. I'm going to put $1,000 on it. Which was really cool. It built up a lot of excitement for the match. Both Ed and Jim Davies were counting it down. Yeah, as this match is going on, Ed Whalen, Jim Davies, they're saying, oh, he's got 20 seconds left to beat this guy. Oh, he's got 10. Oh, he's got five. And it keeps going and going. And DeSalvo's in control of this match pretty much the entire match until about 51 seconds past the time. And Black Sabbath flips out of a back body drop and lands on his feet and then delivers a couple quick kicks to DeSalvo. He then starts to unmask and tear off his hoodie. And who else is it under there but Phil LaFleur? DeSalvo can't, can't believe it. He leaves the ring and runs to the back. Yeah, that was a beautiful move. I, I, I was completely taken by surprise. So it, it was well done and highly entertaining. Well, it was the fact that he allowed Steve DeSalvo to kick his ass for about a minute, minute and a half before unmasking. I just didn't even think it was someone other than... Yeah, it was Black Sabbath. And, of course, after this match, we get the Phil LaFleur promo. He's saying that it's bad that you have to disguise yourself to get DeSalvo to face you. And he recounts a promise that when DeSalvo put staples into his head, presumably from getting his bodybuilding trophy smashed into the back of his head, he said he'd get his payback. And he challenges DeSalvo to his street fight the next week. And that's something you kind of, that's two big guys. Someone's going to get hurt in a street fight. Yeah, and LaFleur leaves the ring and he goes to the back and DeSalvo finds his way back out to the ring in front of the audience. And he claims that he's always known it was LaFleur, saying that he's been demanding a match against LaFleur for three weeks and that LaFleur has started something that he can't finish, only DeSalvo can finish it. When the sadistic one takes over, he'll send him to a hospital. Should make sure his life insurance is paid up and he has a beneficiary. Yeah, it was a pretty good promo for uh, Phil LaFleur there. I like this undercard match that's going on between those two. There's no championships at stake. It's just two guys that have a personal vendetta but it's about wrestling and they want to have a match and it's not about backstage drama they want to settle their differences in the ring yeah and for all he you know he calls out the salvo for running out of the ring i kind of like liking that to you know when you see guys in the ufc feeling each other out for a bit before they start throwing anything you got to know exactly that you're getting, you know, an advantage going in. So I thought it was smart. I agree. 
One of the highlights of Stampede Wrestling during this time is the team of Bad Company, the Stampede International Tag Team Champions. And their next match, they defeat the team of Hashif Khan and Viet Cong Express Number no. 2, who is still referred to as Viet Cong Express Number no. 2, even though Viet Cong Express Number no. 1 is no longer around. And Viet Cong Number no. 3 has reverted back to being Gamma Singh. So he needs a partner who will, of course, be Viet Cong number four. I stop there. Viet Cong Express number nine. <laughs> Just to make you think there's some more of them. But actually, these are two really good tag teams. Yeah, these two are great tag teams. Like, yeah, when I heard the match, it was always like, you know, because bad company, I... I haven't seen them in a bad match. And to put them up against two really good opponents, it just always makes for such an entertaining show. So during this match, there was a comment made by Jim Davies about Bad News Allen. And it was directed to Ed Whalen because Ed Whalen, his man, is Bad News Allen. And Jim Davies loves the team of Bad Company. So Jim Davies is called out by Ed Whalen for being a member of Bad Company, and he has to be impartial. And Bad News Allen gets brought up, and Jim Davies says he doesn't like him. Uh, he calls me the chipmunk. Well, I call him the acorn. And you know what chipmunks do to acorns? And Ed Whalen is obviously taken aback by this because he pauses for about two seconds and then just goes, okay. Yeah, that one was, uh, that was an original Jim Davies. I, I think that should become a quote. I still don't know what that means. That's the beauty of it. Jim Davies is such an integral part of Stampede Wrestling. Ed Whalen gets a lot of credit and a lot of deserved credit for his role, but Jim Davies plays his role perfectly as well. Yeah, they're perfect because uh, they work them well in, in amongst the wrestlers, so it's a little less confrontational, I think, than it would be if it was just, you know, they were just on the good guy's side. And it gives them the, the ability to kind of have one or the other in the ring, depending on, you know, when you get a guy like Bad News Allen. But mm -hmm. Jim Davies is really good in his interviews. It's just a different style than that week. Getting back to the match, Pillman and Hart are in control of the Econ Express. But the Econ Express manages to get himself to the corner to tag in Con, who significantly changes the pace of the match. He's picking up Pillman and carrying him around the ring. He's showing a ton of strength before delivering some stiff elbow strikes to Pillman and putting a nerve hold on Pillman's shoulder before tagging in Viet Cong Express. And Viet Cong Express maintains that control of Pillman until they get greedy and Khan gets back in illegally. There's a malfunction at the junction when Khan goes for a spinning back kick and Pillman ducks out of the way. And he ends up getting straight into the corner, right onto the top rope. And he delivers a big flash to the downed Viet Cong Express. 
but he picks him back up and puts him over his knee and allows Hart to deliver a diving elbow drop from the top rope. And then Pillman tags in Hart. Pillman picks up via Kong Express, whips him off the other side of the ropes, and Bruce Hart, if you haven't seen his clothesline, it's a thing of beauty. He hits one of those patented Bruce Hart clotheslines and then slams Viet Cong Express and pins him for the victory. But during the pinfall, Khan gets into the ring to try to break it up. And Pillman jumps off the top rope and nails Khan with a big cross body. And that's how he prevents the pin from being broken up. It's another really unique finish for a bad company match. And I don't know how many different finishes we've seen from them. I can think of at least five or six just off the top of my head. It's just, like I say, every time I watch them, it's a great match. They, they work together well. Uh, I also found that when Pillman did bend him over his knee and Bruce Hart came off that top rope, that was a really nice move. You know, it was crisp. And it looked punishing. It was fantastic. A bad company. I know I say it every episode of the podcast. Go back and watch their matches if you have the chance. Because if you're a tag team wrestler, they're, they're doing stuff now that bad company was doing 33 years ago. Yeah, they were definitely ahead of their time. And... You know, I don't, I don't know who was coming up with the moves, but there was some brilliance there behind the scenes, I think. Or amongst them, the way they knew how to work a match, I should say. Combination of Bruce Hart's knowledge and experience, and I think Brian Pillman's raw athleticism. Because he's not a polished product at this point. He is still very raw, but you can see just the athleticism he has is at another level and is probably only matched by a guy in the next match. This is a non-title affair. Owen Hart defeating Carrie Brown. And Carrie is actually in control of the match when we join in progress. He's delivering knee drops for one counts and Owen battles to his feet, but Brown locks him into a bear hug in the middle of the ring. And Owen gets his feet down in the middle of the ring and he smacks Kerry Brown upside the head and he causes Brown to let go of the hold and Owen spills out to the outside and Brown quickly rolls to the outside following him and smashes him into the ring post, which gets him his first yellow card. And Owen is battling and fighting and willing himself back into the ring. Brown quickly lifts Owen up onto a shoulder and squeezes him there. Sort of like a big ease finisher, the big ending, but he doesn't do the drop. He just holds him there and squeezes the life out of him. Owen battles down to the mat, and he starts to run the ropes, but Kerry Brown just does a knee to Owen's gut and flips him over. Brown puts Owen back into a bear hug, and Owen manages to get out of the hold. He's chopping and striking Brown in the corner. And then he uses a monkey flip to launch Brown into the middle of the ring. And right on cue, Carrie Brown is begging for mercy. 
And Owen, he says no in the form of a kick to the face. Which is the only response to that, because it never goes well if you don't. Big scoop slam from Owen to Brown in the middle of the ring gets a two count. And he gets up to the top rope and crushes Brown with a missile drop kick right in the middle of the ring. But Kerry kicks out of that pin attempt, and he battles up to his feet, and he whips Owen into the ropes, throws Owen out of the ring between the second and third ropes, and he picks up his second yellow card. But while he's arguing with the referee, Owen's back into the ring, and Brown notices him, slams him headfirst into the first corner, and then goes to a second corner to smash his head there. But Owen blocks it, smashing Brown's head into the corner. And then Owen jumps from the apron to the top rope with his back facing into the ring. And then he delivers a corkscrew sunset flip pin to get the victory of this one, which that finish is so cool. Yeah, that was a pleasure to watch. Just, uh, just the move itself and how well he performed you know, how well he executed the move was incredible. It was flawless. It's one of those where you're watching it and you think, I could do that. And a second later, your own mind goes, no, you couldn't. The next match we have is one that's been building for a couple of months. Makin Singh defeats Corporal Kirshner by disqualification in a boot camp lumberjack match. And when we join the match in progress, Makin Singh's in control. He's throwing Kirshner to the mat in the middle of the ring and then putting a nerve hold on Kirshner's left shoulder. But Kirshner's not giving up. He's trying to get back to his feet, and Singh puts him right back down with a high knee. But this advantage is short-lived. Kirshner manages to deliver a vertical suplex and a knee drop from the second row. He attempts to whip Mock and Singh into the corner, but Singh manages to reverse somehow. And then he goes for the Karachi Crunch, but he misses Corporal Kirshner. And when Corporal Kirshner picks up Mockensing from the corner, he inadvertently hits Wayne Hart in the face with Mockensing's feet. So obviously, all the wrestlers are already out surrounding the ring. The referee's down. What are the odds that these guys? behave as they should and don't just start interfering and brawling with each other and whatever else happened in the 1980s. Oh, you know, it's about the same odds that I'm going to go to one of those hockey games up in Edmonton. (laughs) DeSalvo gets in the ring and he crushes Corporal Kirshner with a big pile driver. And Mockin Singh, he gets... He turns around, having seen Steve DeSalvo put down his opponent, and Wayne Hart's kind of coming too. So he goes for the pin. And as Wayne Hart's counting, one, two, you just see Owen Hart fly from the corner into the middle of the ring, and he just lays into the back of Mockensing's head with a big elbow drop. And everybody comes into the ring at this point, and they're all brawling with each other. Yeah, pure melee. It was awesome. 
there's action everywhere outside the ring, inside the ring. Although it was quickly over, it was kind of like a really hot fire that burns out quick. Yeah. Because I, I think they didn't want to take anything away from this next match. Bad news, Allen against Jason the Terrible. This one didn't have a winner. It was a double count out. When we come and join this match, Bad News Allen is grabbing a chair out from underneath a member of the audience and striking Jason in the stomach with it and then the shoulder. And Bad News Allen gets a yellow card for using a chair in that manner. It kind of blows my mind that that's just a yellow card. Well, you know, it's, it's not like it was a sharpened steel object. That, that, would, that would be a red. But, you know, just a chair. Right now, I think the only thing that gets you a red card is throwing someone over the top rope. I think everything else is kind of, you know, pseudo fair game. It's like fighting in the NHL where you allow it. You're not going to kick the guys out of the game. But yeah, it's, it's against the rules technically, but no one's doing anything to stop it. Well, at the end of the day, it's a fight. Jason's knocked down long. He quickly gets back up to his feet, and he's back in the ring. And Bad News punches him with a big right hand, and he sends him back into the corner. And then he tries to choke Jason in the corner with his knee. Alan attempts to whip Jason, but Jason reverses it. And then when Bad News hits the corner and then rebounds back out into the middle of the ring, he delivers a big scoop slam to him. Jason picks Bad News back up, but Bad News manages to shift and fall on top of Jason for a pinfall attempt, which Jason obviously kicks out of. Jason hits Bad News with a clothesline and then tries to deliver a running clothesline, but both men spill over the top rope and brawl to the locker room while the referee rings the bell. Jason fights back to the ring with Bad News. He throws Bad News into the ring post and starts headbutting Bad News Allen with his fiberglass mask. These two men are brawling outside of the ring. They're brawling inside of the ring. Wayne Hart's trying to break up the brawl, but Bad News Allen grabs him and whips him out of the ring. And as soon as Wayne Hart's out of the ring, Mockin Singh comes out, and he's helping Bad News beat down Jason two-on-one. Jason ends up in the corner, and Bad News Allen whips Mock and Singh into the corner for an assisted Karachi crunch and Jason's face down on the mat. Both men tie Jason up in the ring ropes and pull his mask off and News puts the mask on and delivers a running headbutt to Jason and at this point Owen Hart's seen him off. He hits the ring and he lays out News and Mock and Singh with a couple of big drop kicks and he throws himself over the top rope to attack Mackin. And with this, Owen Hart and Jason the Terrible, they form a reluctant alliance to take on Bad News Allen and Mockinson. And Owen is obviously apprehensive about this because he thinks Jason's going to double-cross him. And at one point during this promo, he turns to Jason and goes, are you going to double-cross me? And Jason shakes his head and just growls. And Jim Davies takes this opportunity to ask Jason if Owen can trust him and Jason nods aggressively and growls. And then asks him, well, what are you going to do to News and Mockin? And Jason starts punching himself in the head with both hands and just 
screaming. Yeah, he was very articulate in that interview. Very well spoken. Very well spoken. You know, the grunts and growls were there, but they imparted meaning. And you kind of got the feeling that Owen could trust them. Well, we're going to find out because they're going to they're gonna be a tag team against Mockinson the next week. Yeah, that's a, that's a really interesting tag team. But before we get to that tag team, we got to get through the rest of the show. December 11th, 1987. We open with Hashif Khan defeating Mr. Hito. And this is both men exchanging chops in the middle of the ring until Khan kicks Hito in the chest and puts Hito down. A snap suplex followed by a running elbow leads to a pitfall attempt. But Hito kicks out. Khan is in control. Everything he does is so crisp, so powerful, and so impactful in telling the story in the ring. And you can really tell that Hashif Khan is such an exceptional wrestler. Yeah, he's just good at everything he does. And, you know, I felt bad going in with Hito up against him because this is, this is beyond a hard opponent. This is a top-level guy. Yeah, and luckily for Mr. Hito, it's over pretty quickly. Hashif Khan delivers a martial arts kick to Hito's jaw and gets the pinfall victory. No retirement news, so there's still hope for the winning streak. True. They did not bring up the retirement. Immediately after that match, we have a couple of promos from Karachi Vice. Great Gamma Singh, Garfield Ports, and Jerry Morrow are in the ring with Jim Davies. And Jim Davies says it's good to have Gamma back, but only so that Gamma can defend the championship again and someone can take it from him. Which, you know, Jim has some guts in there. He asks tough questions that aren't going to get a favorable response. Absolutely. But News and Mocking get Ed Whalen. They don't get Jim Davies. And it's rare that when you talk about a promo with Bad News Allen in it, that the, the best line in the promo belongs to someone else. Because Mocking say, says that it's the Wizard of Oz in this case, and his opponents don't have a brain or courage, but that the audience can tell them who's who. <laughs> That's a good line. Our next match is Carrie Brown defeating Biff, defeating Biff Wellington. And from what we see on the television broadcast, this one's all Brown, but Ed Whalen does say that Biff Wellington was in control of the match up until the point where we joined it in progress. Brown throws Wellington out of the ring between the second and third rope, and referee Wayne Hart gives him a yellow card for that. So Wayne Hart's not taking any of Kerry Brown's garbage in this match. Wellington gets back in the ring, and Brown throws him out again, and gets out of the ring and uses a chair to attack Wellington, and Wayne Hart gives him a second yellow card. Well, you know, the last thing you want to do in the match is lose and have two yellow cards in the bank you didn't capitalize on. That's true. And 
the commentary in this one does a really good job of putting over Kerry Brown and explaining why Kerry Brown is behaving the way he is. It's because Kerry Brown is annoyed by his position on the card. He's in the second match. And he's annoyed by his ranking in the North American Heavyweight Championship hunt. He's ranked ninth. And he's taking all of that out on Biff Wellington. And Biff Wellington attempts a second rope springboard crossbody. But Kerry Brown manages to lock in a sleeper on Wellington. And uh, <laughs> that's pretty much the end of the match. Like he, Brown picks up, uh, picks up Wellington and drops him directly onto the turnbuckle and then makes a pin to get the victory. But this one's all Kerry Brown. Yeah, and Kerry Brown is, I think, the best in the old Stampede wrestling at staying on you at all times. He didn't let you rest. And for a young guy that's kind of tough where you, you don't get a pause or a break to think. But it, you know, go ahead. Yeah, there's no room to breathe. It's Kerry Brown's a guy that's going to suffocate you. Yeah, exactly. But I do find these are two guys on different trajectories. You know, Biff Wellington's not there yet, but he's on his way up. And I think Kerry Brown is, you know, he's, you always got to give him credit. You know, he's held gold championships for a decade at a time. But, you know, age gets us all. Yep. And we go from that, we go from a man that's held championships before in Kerry Brown to a man currently holding championships in Gamma Singh, teaming with Garfield Ports and Jerry Morrow, the team of Karachi Vice, defeating the Stampede International Championship bad company, Brian Pillman and Bruce Hart, and Johnny Smith. And, of course, Jurgen Herman is the referee, so you expect a little bit of shenanigans. You're going to get some bad reffing. Yeah, so when we join this match, we have Morrow and Johnny Smith in the ring, but Pillman is quickly tagged in and puts Morrow into a headlock. And Gamma is trying to get in the ring to break up the hold, but Pillman responds by taking Morrow and Gamma Singh down with a headlock on Morrow and a head scissors to the great Gamma. And that's a really cool move to see pulled off. He whips Morrow and tags in Hart. He ducks down beneath Morrow's feet, and Hart nails him with that clothesline. There's a cut in the match. I assume there's probably a commercial break there, but we skip ahead in the match to about three minutes left in the match. It's Ports and Johnny Smith in the ring. Jurgen Herman misses a tag from Smith to Pillman, and the team of Gamma, Ports, Morrow just take advantage. Gamma helps Ports in delivering a spike pile driver to Morrow for a pinfall attempt and victory. And Ed Whalen's in the ring with Karachi Vice, and he's confronting the entire team and the referee by saying that Jurgen Herman didn't even count to three. Yeah, Ed was pretty choked about things. He really was, and... Jurgen Herman's in the ring. He's upset with Ed for calling him out. And Garfield Ports takes over the promo, and he, he interjects with what he calls some, quote-unquote, legal advice. 
to the team of bad company. He says, you know what? Just take your championship belts, put them in a box, and FedEx them to us. Because he won a six-man tag team match. Legally speaking. Ed did not react to that at all well. No. I wouldn't expect Ed to even entertain that idea. Um, Ed's colleague, Jim Davies, is in the ring with a couple of new wrestlers that are making their... uh, They said their stampede debut in the broadcast, Jonathan Holiday and Brick Bronski. And Holiday says that he was in New York and he was in Miami. But when he got off the plane in Calgary, they, we have some of the best-looking women in the world and that he wants to marry a Canadian, which seems like a really, really rash decision considering he's been in Calgary for like a day. Yeah, but you know, the women here are that good-looking. We go from that to Phil LaFleur versus Steve DeSalvo. There's no Black Sabbath here. It is those two men wrestling each other unfortunately don't get a winner ends this double count out we joined this match just past the five minute mark and DeSalvo is posing for the crowd while Lafleur is down in the corner Lafleur manages to get his get his feet back under him and DeSalvo turns his attention back to him and he just starts strangling him in the middle of the ring gets a yellow card both men battle with strikes near the ropes, but DeSalvo whips LeFleur and then picks him up off the ground and slams him face first to the mat before picking him up again and whipping LeFleur into the ropes and then delivering a giant, just a monstrous jumping shoulder block. DeSalvo puts LeFleur over the top rope, doesn't throw him over the top rope, just puts his chest over it and then starts pulling down on the head to choke Phil LaFleur with that top rope. And then he drops down to the top. He drops down from the apron to the floor while holding LaFleur's head for a second yellow card. LaFleur gets a couple of strikes, but DeSalvo gets control and ties LaFleur up on the top rope and hits him with a big shoulder block to the midsection. But when he attempts it again, LaFleur manages to avoid and get it out of the way. DeSalvo spills out to the outside. Yeah, DeSalvo's kind of a monster. I think you have to use his own speed and weight against him. Yeah, just as Phil LaFleur's doing in this match, DeSalvo gets back into the ring and LaFleur kicks DeSalvo. And then big splash from the apron over the top rope to a down DeSalvo for a two count pile driver to DeSalvo for a two count. He whips DeSalvo and looks for a spinning hold or a spinning kick, but DeSalvo holds onto the ropes and gets out of the ring. LeFleur attacks him and then both men brawl to the outside as referee Jurgen Herman reaches his 10 count. So a good opening bout to this rivalry, I think. It's great. It's been, I've really enjoyed how they've built this program between these two guys. Um, two guys that are really underrated and you don't necessarily hear enough about from this era of Stampede Wrestling, I think. Yeah, Steve DeSalvo was just a physical specimen. 
and he he had a good in ring persona. He does good interviews. He legitimately gets people riled up, and you know you watch his shoulder block, and it's devastating. Yeah, he's fantastic. The main event in this one, though, it's just four of the top guys that they have in the promotion at this time. The team of Bad News Allen and Mock and Sing against the team of Owen Hart and Jason the Terrible. And this one finishes as a no contest. And this was a really fun match to watch. I, uh, <clears throat> I, I love that team of Hart and Jason the Terrible. It's just... You know, it's sweet and or salty and sweet at the same time. Bad News and Jason the Terrible are brawling on the announcer's table when we join. And Bad News is attacking Jason with a chair before rolling him back into the ring to mock and sing, who's already cut and already bleeding. And he whips Jason into the ropes. And as he rebounds, he delivers a big back body drop and attempts a pinfall uh, following a leg drop. But Owen gets in the ring and drags Mockin off of his partner. Bad News is tagged in, attempts a pin of his own, but Owen's in again to pull News off. And this is the first time that I've seen the good guys get a yellow card first. Yeah, it was an interesting call because I think it's the first time I've seen him issue a yellow card for interfering in a pinfall, too. Maybe, but they got the yellow card. News still has control of the match. So he whips Jason into the corner, and Jason does a front flip, landing on, like, landing his upper back onto that bottom turnbuckle. News tags Mockin in, and Mockin continues controlling the match until he misses an assisted Karachi crunch, which gives Jason the space to tag in Owen Hart. And as soon as Owen Hart hits the ring, the pace of the match changes so fast. Big vertical suplex to Mockin Singh, and he's quickly up to the top rope, launching himself off for a diving headbutt. News is in to pull Owen off of Mockin. Mockin attempts a clothesline to a running Owen, but Owen counters with a crucifix pin. Mockin kicks out, but Owen doesn't take no for an answer. He's up to the top rope. He does a sunset flip pin to Mockin from the top rope, but News is in to break that one up. Jason ends up getting involved and taking it to Bad News Allen, and he sets up a situation where Owen and Jason are going to whip Bad News Allen and Mock and sing into each other, but Bad News Allen manages to reverse it, and Jason and Mock and sing collide. And at this point, Mock and sings out of the ring, Jason's out of the ring, Bad News Allen is outside of the ring, and Owen is quick to follow. He dives out between the second and third rope onto Bad News Allen, and then scales to the top rope and delivers a flying crossbody to Mock and and Jurgen Herman is counting one, two, and everybody is in the ring. Everyone spills out. That, that pinfall never gets counted to three, which was foreshadowed a little bit earlier in the match, or a little bit earlier in the show, where 
Ed Whelan was saying that Herman can't count to three or didn't count to three in the gamma match. Well, he definitely didn't count to three here. Bad companies out there. Bad news is out there. Jason's out there. Jerry Morrow's out there. Gamma Singh, Owen Hart, Jason the Terrible. It's pandemonium. These guys are all brawling. Yeah, the second show in a row with just a complete madhouse at the end of everyone going after everyone. Although I think a lot of that's got to do with multiple weeks of interference. True, and we have a promo after after that match. Owen Hart, Jason the Terrible, this is the promo that finishes out the show, saying that they're going to challenge Bad News Allen and Mock and Sing to a street fight on the next show. And Owen says he's going to get Jason to bring his axe, and they're going to split the heads of both Bad News Allen and Mock and Sing. Would that be a red card or a yellow card in a regular match, Mitch? I believe an axing is a red. Okay, but it's a street fight, so it's all legal. And Owen looks at Jason and asks him if he's ready, and then both of them scream together. Yeah, they're uh, they're not friends of uh, the the toilet bowl and bad news out. Not at all. Owen is getting into it, man. The next week, this is the final episode of December 1987. December 18th, we open the show, Brick Bronski defeating Goldie Rogers. This was a pretty typical match where you're showcasing the new guy, and Goldie Rogers is your local jobber. But it's, it's a good match. Brick Bronski gets to show his stuff. And he ultimately grabs Rogers and catches him in a bear hug in the middle of the ring for a submission win. Yeah, one of the rare bear hug submissions I've seen. Although it's a, he's a big guy, so you know I don't doubt that there's a lot of pressure on that. Yeah, you don't see a whole lot of that. Bad company is in the ring with Ed Whalen afterwards. My initial thoughts were, why not Jim Davies? He's an official member of Bad Company. He's got a bad attitude to prove it. Well, he can't do every interview. I, I always imagined they drew a hat, drew uh, numbers out of a hat. True. Either way, Pillman is saying that Bad Company is just figuring out what it takes to be champions in Stampede Wrestling acknowledging that even though they might not be feeling the best physically or emotionally, they come out here and perform for the fans and deliver what the fans expect from them. Yeah, and with bad company, I mean, if you're watching it at all, you just know how good they are. So, you know, to hear them humble like that is just, just shows the type of people they are. Yeah, Bad News, Mock and Sing, they're in the ring with Ed Whalen after Bad Company. And News is saying that he was born and raised in Harlem. He was raised with switchblades and knuckles. Street fights are to him like breathing the garbage air in Calgary. And Ed Whalen takes exception to this. And he goes, what do you mean the garbage air? And News just gives him that look. 
and continues on. And he says, Owen Hart is going to wind up Jason the Terrible and hide behind him like the chicken champion he is and just let Jason the Terrible take all the punishment from the team of Bad News Allen and Mock and Say. Yeah, that to me seems really like more trying to drive a wedge between them than anything. Try to get in Jason's head. We're not going to have that tag team match just yet. We got to get through this tag team match first. The great Gamma Singh and Garfield Ports defeating Biff Wellington and Mr. Hito. Yeah, with this match, it was. Uh... It was a bit one-sided, I felt. Yeah, Biff Wellington was able to get a couple things in, but for the most part, this was uh, Gamma Singh, Garfield, Ports. They isolated Biff Wellington on the outside of the ring and uh, just kind of beat him down. Yeah, and that's, uh, you know, Biff Wellington's or Beth Wellington's, he's good. And he's going to be a really good wrestler, I think. But he's still, he's still not quite there. And he's up against a really good tag team. Yeah, but he didn't take the loss here. Mr. Hito did. Hito and Wellington were in the ring together. They whipped their opponents into each other. But the referee ultimately gets distracted and misses the double team on Hito that comes afterwards. Gamma is tagged in and he locks the Cobra hold tight on Mr. Hito and he has no choice but to just pass out. Yeah, he won't give up, but Gamma's, he's, he's just one of the best. So you, you can't, sometimes you just can't beat your opponent. He's just better at after this match, we have one of the cooler moments in Stampede Wrestling, at least in 1987. Owen Hart is in the ring with Ed Whalen, and he's getting an award for Rookie of the Year from Pro Wrestling Illustrated, and the crowd is just going absolutely crazy. He holds it up, and you can see people in the background around the ring. They're standing up and giving him a standing ovation. Yeah, it was a really cool thing to see. And, you know, I remember back then something something like that was a really big deal. Yeah, and Owen says that winning the plaque and having over 17,000 fans vote for him as the Rookie of the Year means a lot to him and inspires him to try even harder in the coming years. It's a great Christmas gift and it means the world to him. And you, you can tell that as he's saying this, he's kind of getting a little bit choked up. And Ed Whalen jumps in and says it's special for him as well because he's seen Owen grow up before his eyes over the years. And Owen thanks the crowd one last time and leaves the ring with his award. And that just what a cool moment. Yeah, and it's a really, you know on what I would imagine was like a mail-in ballot. That's, that's a lot of fans that think, you know, so much of him and what he had given to them up to that point. 
Uh, he's absolutely deserved it because that is, I can't think of anyone else that deserves it after watching from Wrestle in these videos from 1987. He's phenomenal. Yeah, he was the top guy in Stampede Wrestling at the time. No, no doubt. And just so much fun to watch. You never knew what movie he was going to pull out, but you knew there was going to be something good. So before Owen's back out here for his match, he's got a match to go to the back and recover and get his mind set back to kick in the asses of Bad News Allen and Mike and Sing. We got Steve DeSalvo defeating Phil LaFleur. DeSalvo was in control of this match early. He's really showing his power against LaFleur. And he's focusing on putting LaFleur down and keeping him there. He drags LaFleur out to the concrete around the ring and starts brawling with him, rolling in and out to reset the referee's count before throwing LaFleur back in and getting back into the ring himself. LaFleur manages to get a couple of quick kicks in DeSalvo, but DeSalvo puts him back down to the mat with a double axe handle strike to the back. DeSalvo poses for the crowd while LaFleur lays on the mat, and when the two approach each other, LaFleur is able to deliver another couple of quick kicks, but DeSalvo picks him up over the head and hits what looked like an Alabama slam into the corner. And there's some chops and some forearm strikes to LaFleur in the corner and throws him into the opposite corner for a running knee strike. LaFleur manages to avoid that running knee strike, and now he's on the offense. He's using his speed to deliver some quick strikes in the corner, and then a falling DDT from the second rope. He attempts to pin DeSalvo, but DeSalvo kicks out at one, and he whips DeSalvo into the corner and sends him back to the middle with a monkey flip. When he tries a second monkey flip, DeSalvo just pushes him down to the mat and pins LaFleur then and there for the victory. Yeah, this was kind of an impressive match for DeSalvo. He kind of backed up his talk, I think. Yeah, but he had his feet onto the ropes to beat LaFleur, though. Yeah, he, he had the battle, but I felt, for what we saw, he had the upper hand the majority of the time. And he did get the win at the end. But I, one thing I like about him is that he's winning matches on his own. There's no third party coming in to get him the win. Yeah, he's not a part of Karachi Vice. He's just a dick. Exactly. Speaking of Karachi Vice, Bad News Allen, Mock and Singh are defeated by Jason the Terrible and Owen Hart in the tag team street fight. Unfortunately, we didn't get to see the finish because Ed Whalen pops up on screen and says that the broadcast is run out of time. But before then, News is abusing both Owen and Jason with a garbage can that he must have grabbed from the crowd because as he's hitting them with it, garbage is literally flying out of it. Well, you didn't have prop garbages back then. Monken and Owen go to one side of the ring 
and news pulls off Jason's mask and he's attacking him using the fiberglass mask. He drags Jason out into the crowd while Makin continues to abuse Owen using the tag rope as if it were a weapon. Owen manages to block an attack with the tag rope and grabs it from him and then uses it himself to strike Makin Singh directly in the throat and then wraps his hand in the rope and delivers a couple of punches to Makin as the crowd is just screaming to give him more. News and Jason brawl back to the ring. and Jason throws News into the ring post and then tosses a chair into the ring. Throws bad news back into the ring and then whips him into the ropes and attacks him with a chair right across the chest. It's bad news, Alan. Jason the Terrible in the middle of the ring. Jason the Terrible is ripping bad news's shirt off of him and strangling him with it in the middle of the ring. And Owen whips Mockensing into the ropes and does another strike across the throat with the tag rope. And it's at this point where Ed Whalen jumps in and goes, that's all, folks. The broadcast is out of time. Oh, and I, I kind of forgot how they did that on occasion and how frustrated they would make me. I was not expecting it. But I, I honestly think it's kind of a planned thing. So they, you know, it's, it's really beneficial to go to the live show. Yeah, there's also probably some restrictions on how much they would be able to get away with on television. Yeah, or a mix of the two. Right, and this, this was the 1980s. It wasn't now where we're, we're so uh, used to violence like that where you can't have a match where wrestlers are going to be bleeding and it's going to be on TV and it'll be okay. Back then, I imagine that if they crossed that line in that match and aired it, they would be in some serious trouble. Yeah, I'm not sure because I know I remember Stampede wrestling with guys bleeding fairly bad. But it might have been maybe even earlier before they put in a bunch of regulations in TV. Hmm. Maybe the black and white days. To see the finish of this match. And it's unfortunate because I would have loved to have seen it. Oh, absolutely. It would be interesting to see if they just kept filming and that film was somewhere. Well, I imagine it would be um, at least the raw footage would be somewhere. Because, yeah, matches like that would be I imagine you could put it out today. Because the restrictions are a little lighter. Yeah, you could probably put it out today, but I honestly, if anyone was going to take Stampede Wrestling content and repurpose and re-release it, I would want Bad Company at the top of that list. Oh, absolutely. Like, I would take a Bad Company match over this match any day. Um, That's not an indictment the talent that was in this match because Jason the Terrible is a phenomenal talent. Owen Hart is Owen Hart. What more can we say about him? Bad News Allen, honestly, one of the best of all time. He is phenomenal in Stampede Wrestling. And Mock and Sink, 
for, for a guy that I wasn't expecting a whole lot out of, Mockensing delivers in spades. He is such a surprise, and he is so good in the role he plays in Stampede Wrestling. Yeah, it's a, it's a great roster. You know, they've got the young guys coming up. They've got the, the talent at the top. They've, you know, it was just an exciting time to be watching wrestling. With that said, I think this is going to be the end of us watching 1987 Stampede Wrestling reach out to us on our social media accounts. You can get to us on Twitter at WrestleRodeoCA, on Instagram at WrestlingRodeoCA, on Facebook at WrestlingRodeoCA, or at our website, WrestlingRodeo.com. Let us know what you want us to talk about in the future. Do you want us to talk about more Stampede Wrestling classic shows? Do you want us to get into... The interview space do you want us to get into the weirder world of wrestling where maybe we get into a couple of uh wrestling conspiracy theories and talk about the feasibility of it reach out to us let us know what you want to hear we'd love to make it happen well in the meantime and in between time that's it another edition of wrestling rodeo <laughs>